Thank you for joining Holy Spirit Living, the podcast that encourages and equips believers to live each moment intentionally to bring glory to God and build His kingdom. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel and seemed good to the potter to make it. See, God, he has a very special plan for us and a purpose in our lives. But he works relentlessly to cause the plan and the purpose to come to pass. We can never make God's plan happen any quicker. We can. We can. I just started thinking about Mary when she said, we ran out of wine. And Jesus said, well, it's not my time. And she didn't say, well, all right, we'll wait until it's your time to do your first miracle. The first miracle wasn't scheduled for the wedding. But what did she say? She said, go and get it and listen to what he's got. We can bring in tomorrow to today. And that's what Mary did. The first miracle wasn't scheduled. The miracle that he had scheduled wasn't the day of the wedding. But what Mary did was say, hey, I'm not accepting that. We all have some ability to change. Change the atmosphere, change the timing. Mary speeded the process up. We see Abraham pleaded with God and changed the trajectory of what was happening. There was a lot of things in the Bible we can see where something was about to happen, but somebody went to the Lord and interceded and asked. And then all of a sudden, the thing changed. So the purpose in your life, wherever you're at, wherever you're going, intercede and pray. I think interceding and prayer is going to change the the atmosphere. It's going to change the things that's going on. We see in the Word, Jeremiah 18.1, we can learn some important things from this passage. One, the potter is making a vessel. And I want to break this down for you a little bit, but I'm not going to do it right now. We're going to do it at the end because... There's just a direction that I want to go. But he's making a vessel, and and most of the utensils in that day of Jeremiah was made out of clay, unless silver or gold. But a lot of the things that they had and used was out of clay. And at this time, we see a lot of clay, but they're flower pots these days. There's a story of a person taking two bottles of water with two clay pots, and one was cracked. And the person would carry the water back to their village And by the time they were done, the one cracked would always drain out. And the pot was sad. The person carrying it, like, I'm not doing you any good. And the owner said, look back at the trail we rode. You see all these beautiful flowers that this pot was watering. Even though it was cracked, it was doing some amazing thing. And sometimes we have to be able to reevaluate. Instead of saying, I'm not worthy, imagine what God can do with a cracked pot. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Here he is making a pot. God told Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house and watch him, watch him. Watch him make this vessel. As Jeremiah was watching the potter fashion the vessel, something crazy happened, something unusual. The potter suddenly stopped in the middle of the process, balled up the clay, threw it back down. He's remaking the vessel. Jeremiah 18.4, And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. He made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. The vessel was marred in his hand. The potter worked and formed the vessel, and he noticed that there was some reason, there was something wrong with it, so he balled it back up, and he slapped it back down, and he made it new. There's two factors to consider here. The outcome of the vessel. There's two key factors that determines the outcome of this vessel. One is the skill of the potter. If the potter's good and he's skilled at making the pot, 
it's going to come out good. But if he's not skilled and he's like Joe Reedling, he's probably going to make a deformed ashtray. All right? Uh, I am not a potter. And so I'm not going to make, you're not going to see probably a beautiful vase come out of my hands. But you'll, that's the difference between a good vessel and a bad vessel. You get somebody that's skilled and can make the pot, they're going to create something amazing. But we know that this isn't the problem. Jeremiah 18.5 says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord, Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. So who's the potter in the story? God. And don't we know in Genesis 2-7, it says that the Lord God formed man from dust and the ground and breathed into the nostrils and breathed breath into him, and he became living. Tell me he's not a potter. It's not the problem with the potter that is making this vessel, right? No. He formed man. If he can form man out of dust, I think he can do some amazing things with clay. Amazing things with clay. So then the second problem of a bad vessel would be the condition of the clay. For some reason, it wouldn't cooperate that day. The potter is God. We're the clay. Right now, I just want you to envision this whole story about you as the clay. The clay just probably had some impurity still in it that needed to be removed. And maybe air bubbles was in it. There's a process that they got to get the air bubbles out. Something was going on. It could have been too wet or too dry. Sometimes something dry comes into place and the heart gets hardened. The clay gets hardened. You can't really make the vessel the way you want to make the vessel. Maybe our heart is hard a little bit today. Or maybe it's oversaturated and we're just not able to form anything. Nothing's really coming to form. But see, the, the decisions to make the, remake this vessel, at this point the potter decides, hey, let's do it. Let's make it. Let's redo it. I can still use this clay. He can still use us today. Amen. No matter where you're at. He could have thrown the clay away. Think about it. The potter could have thrown the clay away at this point and said, I'm going to start with a new piece of clay. But he didn't. He didn't do that. There's a song, a gospel song, you all know. It says, he didn't throw the clay away. That was the title of it. Empty and broken, I came back to him. A vessel unworthy, so scarred by sin. But he did not despair. He started over again. And I blessed the day he didn't throw the clay away. He's not throwing the clay away on y'all. No matter where you're at in life, no matter where you're at in your season, he's not giving up on you. There's a part where you're in a kiln and the potter's hands are off of the clay. The potter could have thrown the clay away, but instead he chose to do what he wanted to do. He wanted to take whatever was wrong with the clay and restart and start again. He kept working it and working it because there was multiple problems. There was probably dry, there was probably air bubbles, there was a lot of issues with that clay, but he didn't throw it away. He kept working it. He kept working it. He kept doing what he had to do. He had a plan for that clay. He has a plan for us. Sooner or later, we're going to find ourselves on that potter wheel. It's inevitable. Someday, you'll find yourself there if you're not finding yourself there right now. And the potter's forming you. Israel should have known that they were on the wheel. Jeremiah 18.5 The word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I, not, can I do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord, behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. At what instance I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it. 
If that nation against whom I pronounce turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them, and at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, to build and to plant it. If it's to do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit from them. Now, therefore, go to it and speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I frame evil against you and desires and devices against you. Return ye now from your evil way and make your ways and your doings good. Check out verse 12. And they said, There is no hope, but we will walk after our own devices and we will everyone do the imagination that's in the evil of his heart. What was God looking for in Israel? He was looking for a repentant heart. The Bible says in 1 John 1.8, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 1 John 1.9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, the nation of Israel was very, very stubborn at this point. Matter of fact, in verse 12, there was one part that said, they were saying, don't waste your breath. He says, and they said there is no hope. Don't waste your breath. There's no hope for us. But we'll walk in our own devices. But God don't see that. Can you imagine anyone being so foolish to say, don't waste your breath on me? Did Israel actually think that they could brush off what God was doing and what he had planned? Think about it. What happened to Israel? The Bible teaches us that the nation of Babylon came against them. Like the potter who took the clay and wadded it into a ball and threw it back on the wheel to begin a process again. So God took the nation of Israel, broke them so that he might remake them. Sometimes we're in a spot in life. We just keep going around, going around, going around. And you're, why does this keep happening? Why? Ask the Lord, what do I need to learn right now? What do I need to pay attention to right now? What does my eyes need to be open to? Where does my ears have to be open to? Because I don't want to go around this mountain again. I don't want to go around this situation again. Sometimes that's what it takes is, is for us to come to God and say, Hey, Lord, what do you want me to learn? What do you need me to learn? Let's get rid of this impurity in my life. Let's start building a vessel. You know, sometimes we're on the potter's wheel and we don't know why. Other times we're on the potter's wheel and we know exactly why we're on the wheel. I'm stubborn. I got pride. Or, you know. Whatever it is, as far as we can tell, we're doing everything that we should be doing to serve God and to do His will. But then without a warning or an explanation, we feel the pressure of the potter's hands as he's remolding and remodeling and reforming us. The potter's wheel is an important place for us to be. There's an important verse in the Scripture that's found in, in Isaiah. It says, chapter 45, verse 9, Woe to those who quarrel with their Maker. Does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? Does your work say to the potter that he has no hands? Woe to those who quarrel with their maker. Woe to those that the pot contends with the potter and questions whether or not God knows what he's doing. It's hard when you find yourself being refashioned and you really don't know why because you've been doing everything that you're supposed to be doing. You think you're in the right spot. You think that, man, I've been good. I'm waking up and reading my Bible and... I've been doing everything, Lord, and I don't know why you, why'd you put your hands back on Why are you reforming me? Not very often do we see the upper part of the story and we react differently in the lower part of the story. But Joseph, he's seen the upper story. He's seen what was going to happen and he didn't react. Here, Joseph has his brothers 
sell him. He goes and spends some time in a, a prison cell. Then all of a sudden, he comes up into the palace. Pip to the palace, from the prison to the palace. And, and so he gets up into the palace, and then a famine hits. And then his brothers are coming. How many of us, if your brothers sold you out and you had to spend years in a prison, how many of you, when you seen your brother and you was in the position that Joseph's in now, would not say, arrest him, put him away. I want evil for evil. Sometimes our reactions mess with the upper story. God had a different plan in mind. He had a different direction that things was happening. He had a different way he was going to save. And Joseph seen that and Joseph stayed on that track. Whenever our actions or our reactions come into play, they should be the edifying of the kingdom. We should be trying to look for the upper story, the bigger story, the, the better story, which isn't about us, about him. God took care of Joseph. Isaiah 64, 8, The Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work in your hand. See, originally this story was about God and the nation of Israel, but I think we can all see that it applies to us today. God's still the potter, and we're still the clay. While I was doing this, the Holy Spirit revealed to me of, of Paul's writings in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that which he hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. There's three important truths that we need to understand from just that verse. Just that verse. The certainty that God is at work in our lives. God's the potter, we're the clay. Because we are the clay, we don't always understand what God's doing. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 55, 9. Our ways isn't like God's ways. This is different. They're higher. They're better. Just because we don't understand what's going on doesn't mean that there's not an explanation. God has an explanation for what's going on in your life right now. You might not understand it. You might not see it. You've got to trust that God has all situations for the good of His kingdom. Trust that there's going to be a bigger picture. To create it cannot understand the Creator. That's the problem. We just have no clue of what He's doing or how He's doing things. But we got to trust. I know we got a lot of things going on right now in, in the world. And as believers, I would say we trust. Hebrews 12.11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Discipline, in other words, is a refinement. It's all part of a process where God removes impurities from our lives that He might form us into a vessel for His glory and His honor. The second thing of that Philippians is the consistency of God's work in our lives. Being confident of this very thing, Philippians 1.6, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. See, Jeremiah watched a potter at work. He saw him refashion the clay over and over again, he's he seen him reworking it, knowing that it was going to happen. And there's a term in the Bible that describes God's nature and character, and it's a word called long-suffering. Today we might reclassify it as patience or persistence. That's God's character. We're made in His image. Does He not want us more like Him? God's patience causes Him to be slow to anger and steadfast in His work. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? God is God. Paul tells us, and the same God who started the work of salvation in your lives will continue the work of sanctification in your lives until the day you see Jesus. The same God who saved us will work a separate unto us into himself. He's going to sanctify us, make us more like him. The third thing is the completion of God's work in our lives. Jeremiah 29, 11 says it all, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you 
to give you a future and a hope. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. We'll not always understand what God's doing. We won't understand the process that we're in, the step that we're in all the time. And perhaps at those moments of the pain and confusion, the process is happening for His good. Perhaps it's those moments of the brokenness that the potter is able to gently fashion the vessel back into something beautiful for His glory. There's seven stages of pottery. And you could be in stage five and three at this time, or you could be just in stage four. But I'm going to break it down for you real quick. And the first stage is design. A good potter already has in spot what he's making. It's going to be a tall, skinny vase. It's going to be a fat, chubby one. It's going to be big and, and hold a lot, or it's going to be thin, and it's going to hold one or two roses. The design stage of the pottery is where God's at. What's it say? Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me and written before one of them came to be. So God is the potter, and He's given us the design. He's, so right now, are you in the designing stage? Are you in the, you're just breaking, and you're starting to become new in Christ, and And he's saying, okay, this is how I'm going to form you. The second is soaking. Soaking is where he's pouring his love in us. Our heart is hard, and we need to be soaked. And he's soaking us with love. He's getting us prepared to become what he wants us to be. It's the right amount of moisture. Sometimes the clay gets hard, and it's not easy to work with. So he comes back, and he pours some more water, some more living water into us. And we start to get soaked with his love. The potter doesn't throw the clay away. He starts soaking it and preparing it from a place of love. We love because He first loved us. The next stage is the air pockets. The air pockets that's in the clay. This is the stage where the potter's getting the air pockets out. He's squishing it and getting the thing. It doesn't feel good, right? That's one of the worst places to be is when you're getting the air pockets taken out. The impurity. But if He don't get the air pockets out, when He puts you in the kiln, you'll explode. Think about that. What happens in the kiln? The kiln's where the firing comes in. If he doesn't take all that out before he lays you into the fire, you're not going to be able to handle the fire. This is an important stage. I praise God that he just didn't give me 250 or 300 people at one time because I would have probably exploded. It would have been like you throw me right into the fire without getting me to the level of where I can love people and, and see past flaws and, and do the things that I'm supposed to do as a pastor. There's a lot of air bubbles. Get me ready for the fire. Past hurts getting out. The pride getting out. The sinful desires getting out. He's preparing us for a finished product. Hebrews 12, 11, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. The next part of it is centering. Centering. This is another hard part. If you don't get the things right in the center, you're not going to be able to make the product. If we don't get Him center in our life, the product's not going to come out right. That's a hard process to say, okay, God is at my center. We've been born with this pride of the flesh. We come out of the womb and it's all about us. Feed me. You come out with pride. But if I'm going to get closer to Christ, I'm not going to be like that no more. Here you're coming out and instead of putting yourself in the center or putting something else in the center, what has to go into the centering is God. Once you put God in the center, it's going to be easier to have that base formed. Exodus 20, 20, verse 2. You shall have no other gods before me. You all know what commandment that is? Number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Number two, thou shalt not make idols or imageries above me. Number three, thou shalt not use God's name in vain. And number four, let's recognize the Sabbath. Number five, let's honor your mother and father. Number six, let's not murder. 
How about number seven, not committing adultery? Or how about number eight, not stealing? How about nine, not lying? How about ten, no coveting? But when you put God at the center, at least know that first commandment. Make Him the center so the vessel, the vase can come out. The next part is the shaping or the decorating. This is where the potter is shaping, and he's shaping from the inside out. Okay? So he starts working on your heart a little bit. Things start to happen. You ever think about the process of your shaping when you started to actually say, man, I need God in my life. Guess where the desire comes? It comes from the heart first. It comes from the inside. You might have gotten beat up from the outside, but the inside is where the shaping starts. When the transformation of the heart, when the heart gets softened, when it gets tilled up and, and ready for the seed, the shaping comes from the inside. And then it goes out. The out part is where they put the gloss on. You can see the colors in it. The decoration of the outside. The outside part of our shaping is our gifts. What we've been gifted. What, what God has given us to make us beautiful. To fulfill His purpose. The decorating. The shaping. Maybe you're in that stage right now. Maybe you're getting that coating on you. Maybe we are given different types of gifts. But the same Spirit distributes them all. The next one's the kiln. Trials have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold may be proved genuine. The kiln is the stage where curing the pot. It's the part where the hands of the potter's not on there no more. It's one of the longest processes that the potter's not touching the clay no more. Lord, where are you at? Why ain't you helping me? What's going on? The potter looks through the window of the kiln to watch to make sure that middle pot doesn't explode and mess the other pots up. The father watches. If he sees something going on with that, he'll stop it at the time, pull out that pot so it don't destroy the other pots. Sometimes there's people in a kiln that need to be pulled out of the kiln so it don't destroy the other pots. So that's scary because the father's hands are off of it and there's a, a process taking place. But that's where you're going to be really made to be what you was designed to be made. And then the very last thing we have, the cracked pots. This is where we have this treasure in jars of clay so that we will know that this all surpasses power is from God and not from us. The cracked pots is where you can see the potter's purpose taking place. You can, you can see the flaws. You can see the little cracks. There's little cracks in there. There could be a, a spot where if it wasn't made properly that it cracks and, and splits. Slight imperfections are seen. But this is a stage where we can still be perfectly used. We need to not be like the crackpot and say, well, I wasn't like that one that was pulling the water to the village. We got to say, man, I was watering the daisies and the daffodils and I was doing the thing that I, I was doing, the thing that God has created me to do. So I want to close and I just, I would like you guys to say this with me. Take me, mold me, use me, fill me. I give my life to the potter's hand. Call me, guide me. Lead me. Walk beside me. I give my life to the potter's hand. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast channel and like us on all of our social media pages at Holy Spirit Living. We encourage you to look for the gold in others today. Be blessed. But better yet, be a blessing.